This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Harbor at Home. I'm so glad to be with you. I hope that you enjoyed worship. I hope you're enjoying community with one another in someone's home or whether you're in your own home with family. I'm just glad to be here. I want to start off with prayer, and then we're going to dive straight into the Word, okay? So let me pray for you. Lord, we love you, and we're just so thankful that we get to steward your Word. We get to hear a message from you. And Holy Spirit, you're called the helper for a reason, and we, we pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you would help us to discern this word uh, into our lives. We invite you in, allowing you to read our circumstances, our realities, our spheres of, of influence, that you may be glorified, Lord. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm honored to be in your home and just know that if I were in person, I would be going through your fridge without asking for permission. Um, So maybe one day that'll happen. (laughs) Kidding. But guys, today we're going to be, like I said, diving straight into the word. And what we're going to be doing is is we're going to be focusing on the relationship between two very key uh, figures in the Bible. We're talking about Jacob and Esau today. We're going to be diving into Genesis 32. The entire story, if you really want to go there for yourself, which I highly encourage, is such an amazing story, rich with just parallels in our own lives, is found in Genesis 32 through 33. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on... Um, Jacob and Esau, like I said, but more importantly, what happens in chapter 32 when Jacob has a very unexpected fight with a total stranger. We're going to find out who that stranger is in just a second. Hang on. But the title of this message inside the series, Knowing God, is The Midnight Fight. All right, let's get started. The very first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the order or the history of who's Jacob. That way, when we do get to the verses, this makes a whole lot more sense. So, Let's pause. Who's Jacob, right? Jacob, let's talk about his family. His grandfather is Abraham and his dad is Isaac. His mom is Rebecca. And like I said, his brother is Esau. So there's a lot to live up to, right? Those are some seriously powerful figures in the word. Rebecca has these dreams when she's pregnant that I'm going to have twins, but I'm not only going to have twins, they're going to actually, unfortunately, fight their entire life. They're going to both rule two nations. One of them is going to be stronger than the other. When they were born, guys, this is a little creepy, but Esau was born first. And this is the story you guys might remember where Jacob was actually born second, literally just hanging on to Esau's ankle, which goes to show you that younger brothers are completely annoying. I can say that because I am a younger sibling, but let's move on. Let's move on to when they were about teenagers. Jacob and Esau uh, are in two different uh, locations in the camp. Jacob's inside and he's cooking up some stew. You guys start to maybe remember the story. Esau's out hunting and he comes back in and he's starving. In fact, he's so hungry that he goes to Jacob and says, Jacob, whatever you are making, please just let me have a little bit of it. So what does Jacob do? Being the smarter younger brother, that's right. He says, hey, I will absolutely feed you, but trade me your birthright. For those that don't know what a birthright is, this is actually a really big blessing from the father to the firstborn son. This, this guys, just so you understand the, con- the context of this, this is like giving someone a, a million dollars, control of the entire you know, inheritance, the future of the family. This is a big deal. 
So I don't know if Jake was cooking up a storm or something and it was worth it, but either way, Esau agrees to it, right? So let's fast forward um, to when they're way older and Isaac, who's their father, is actually blind. He's about to pass away. Isaac says, he brings over Esau, who happens to be his favorite. He's the oldest son and says, Esau, I'm about to pass away. I need to make sure that I bless you. But before I do, this is hysterical. He says, he says, Esau, go and prepare for me some nice steak that I may eat one more time before I pass away. And when I do eat, I will absolutely bless you. Isn't that wild? <laughs> so anyways, he, um, he goes and does that. But Rebecca, mom, says, you know what? This is a big moment. This is super important. Ends up tricking Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing. Remember, he's blind. Isaac's totally blind. Read more into that story because it's amazing. But let's fast forward a little bit just for time's sake. So Jacob receives the blessing from Isaac. Esau comes home and he is super upset. He says, wait, that, that was my blessing. That was my inheritance. So in this moment, this is a very key moment. This is where Rebecca says, Esau is going to end up murdering Jacob, my favorite son. So in order for me to save his life, I'm actually going to send him out to my brother, Jacob's uncle's house, Laban. This is huge. So he splits from his home. We never hear of him saying goodbye to Isaac. We never see him coming back until way later. But either way, Jacob flees, right? He goes to Laban's house. And this is where I'm just going to kind of fast forward Uh, Laban's two daughters, Rachel and Leah, he ends up working for seven years for for Rachel, who he falls in love with. Laban gives him Leah, a little bit of trickery. So he ends up working even more, another seven years for Rachel, right? Which, funny enough, actually ties the amount of years that Darren made me work for Savannah. But hey, no hard feelings. We're here. We're good. So I'm kidding. But what happens now, this is very key to give you a little bit more context of who's Jacob. Jacob obviously marries his two wives, uh, Leah first and Rachel. They end up having 12 sons. Later on, these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel, which we're going to get to why they're called Israel later on. And by the way, to finish this up, one of those sons is, um, is Joseph. So huge, huge figures. This is a big family line. So let's get to where we are now, right? In Genesis 32, what's happening is that um, Joshua is leaving Laban's land. He, he receives a message from God to, to go back home. But while traveling back home, he notices, oh my word, I am traveling through or at least very close to Esau's um, land, Edom. And he's thinking to himself, I remember that when I left my family's camp, Esau promised he was going to kill me one day. So this is the context that that we really need to grasp for all of this to make a lot of sense. There's a lot of parallels here, too, once we really start to think about this. But but Jacob's traveling through the land, and he feels so much fear. Let's read, because this is exactly now, now where we're at. So this is Genesis 32, 6 through 12. And this is the first section out of two. This is going to be pretty short, but hang with me here, okay? So... Remember, they're walking through the land. They get a word that they're very close to Esau's land. And here's what happens. This is 32 verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And this is where it gets a little scary. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Listen to this. We're going to come back to this. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Well, 
pretty smart strategy, completely on his own. And Jacob said, oh, God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac. Oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do good. I'm not worthy of the least of the deeds, sorry, of all the deeds of steadfast love and to the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan. And now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do good and make your offspring as the sand in the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So here's my first point, okay? My first point is this, insecurity, immaturity, and in the path of destruction. We have all been here, right? We, we can relate to this so much where we, in our daily lives, this doesn't have to be a big moment in our lives. In our daily lives, we find ourselves struggling with insecurity, with immaturity, and that leads us, unfortunately, to that path of destruction. So, so let's take a look at these verses. We're going to start with verse 9. What's the first thing that, uh, that Jacob does? Jacob doesn't acknowledge God as his own God. Did you, did you catch that? He says, he says, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. He never says, my personal God. There, right there, you see the first word, uh, insecurity. There's no security in his life. He doesn't say, my God, the God of my family, my personal God. He only acknowledges God as the God of his, his uh, let's call them ancestors or family. Right? Isn't that interesting? So the very first thing I want to mention is he starts off on the wrong foot already, not knowing God truly, truly for himself. So from that place, what's the first action he does, right? So the first action, this is so funny. How many times have we been here? The first action he does is he's greatly afraid and distressed. So what does he do? He divides his camp and belongings. Here's what I wrote down for that. Immaturity never unites. Never. In a place of fear, it only divides if you are not fully grounded in the knowledge of who God is. So first, let's capture that. Okay, Jacob is in great fear. He's in great distress, it says. He never acknowledges God for himself. And the first action that he does from that place of insecurity is an immature act of division. How many times have we been there, right? We're in total freak-out mode. And instead of going to God who knows our, our uh, situation, who knows our fears intimately, but hey, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to acknowledge that God knows my situation. I'm going to act with my own actions. And I promise you that will always lead to division. Immaturity never unites. Not good. So where does this leave Jacob, right? So, so my point is uh, insecurity, immaturity, and in the path of destruction. This is where I want to slow down, and let's notice the humanity, right? The humanity of, of who Jacob is and what he did. Jacob lets his servants lead for him. Okay, that's not good. What's the other thing that he does that's no bueno at all? Lots of immaturity in this moment. Um, we won't read it again, but, but go back to 30, uh, chapter 32 and read that he actually sends everybody in front of him to meet Esau. Whoa, that's including his family, his kids, his animal, everything. Because I want to notice one more thing. Without knowing God intimately, we can never unite anybody and we will never 
ever put others before us. Catch that, because that's huge. From a place of insecurity, there's immature actions, and we can never, from that place, put others first. Jacob ends up sending his entire family uh, across this, it's a river or, or um, a bank, they don't really say, but either way, they're crossing water, and he's not first. He's not leading. How can he? How can we lead from a place of insecurity and immaturity, especially if we've divided everything we have into, in this, in this case, into two camps? How can we lead in a place like that? I want to show grace here because I can never say that I have conquered this or I know the answer. But man, we can find such a huge, huge example of what not to do. Now, let's show more grace here because a lot of us are here. A lot of us are here maybe this morning, right? Can we be real? Can we go there? Everybody, like, nod your head and look around the room. (laughs) Make sure everybody's nodding. And the person that's not nodding, get them coffee. They're probably sleeping. But we are all found here almost daily. Almost daily. And these are the moments where we may expect God to come in and to rescue us, to truly, to truly come in and rescue us. Lord, oh, thank you for showing up, for showing me the way. Thank you for taking me out of the the clay or the distress. Here's my next point. This next section, actually, why don't we read it before I tell you what the next point is. This is Genesis 32, same chapter, uh, but we're going to go to verse 24 now. Let's see what happens. So, where's Jacob? Jacob has sent everybody out. Uh, before him, he's divided his camp. He's letting anybody and their mama lead at this point. And here's where he is. This is verse 24. It says, and Jacob was left alone. This is big. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. The Bible's kind of funny, right? There's really a whole lot of explanation sometimes between verses, right? Okay, he's alone, and then out of nowhere, he's wrestling. So let let me unpack that really quickly. Actually, let me read, and then I'll unpack it. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So finally, Jacob, after, you know, in a place of immaturity, acts, and he's calling out shots, and he's, you know, scrambling. And that path of destruction, he's finally left alone. And how many of you guys know that's when finally the Lord says, finally, you and I can talk. Let's keep reading here, okay? When the man saw, this is the, the, the man who was wrestling with Jacob. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. This is huge. Hang on to this. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask of my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, this is huge. This is so big. For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Guys, the the parallels here are so rich between those two sections, between um, the, the first half of, of chapter 32 and that second portion I just read. The next point I have is this. With those verses, the point I have is actually a quote from Narnia, which is such a beautiful story. Uh, but 
I forget who says it, but here's the quote. It says, he may not be safe, but he is good. They're referring to Aslan, which, of course, in the story, Aslan is, is a God figure, right? A representation of who God is. They say this, he may not be safe, but he is good. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Let, 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 let's do some parallels, right? So, so I mentioned in those moments of insecurity and immaturity, we expect God to show up and to rescue us, right? But what happens? What happens in the nighttime, especially in the nighttime when we're left alone, just like Jacob was? What happens to our thoughts? We've all been there, me included, absolutely. We do expect God to come and, and, and fight for us. And that's the key word is fight for us. But here's the deal. In those midnight hours, when we expect God to fight for us, we end up somehow fighting with God. And that's uncomfortable. And, it's, and we can think to ourselves, it's not fair, Lord. Why are you the one that's fighting with me? In this story, if you didn't catch in, in uh, the second portion I read, if you haven't caught it yet, that was a, an incarnation, a pre-incarnation, I should say, of Jesus. It's called a Christophany, a pre-incarnate, a pre-risen figure of Jesus that's wrestling with Jacob himself. How many times have we found ourselves here? We're waiting for God to fight for us, and then boom, an unexpected fight with the Lord occurs. You think you have everything straight, and this is where we start to question God's goodness. God, you said you were good. You said you would rescue me. But instead, in the midnight hours, you are the one that's fighting against me? How do, what do I do with that? So how many of you have been in that moment, right? Come on, let's, let's be real. Come on. I, I even want to hear a few of you say like, hey, that's totally me. We have an opportunity in that moment, guys. We have an opportunity to either rewrite that cycle or continue the cycle. What cycle am I talking about? Insecurity, immaturity, in the path of destruction. You see, guys, here's, here's what I want you to notice. Here are the parallels, right? What happens when Jacob wrestled with this man, who we know as the readers, and Jacob later finds out, is, is Christ, is Jesus himself. What happens after that? Well, in the moment, guys, Jacob finally, finally realizes that was God. You are God. I'm staring in the face of God. What's the parallel to the earlier uh, passage that we read? He didn't acknowledge God as his own God. After wrestling with God, he says, I am in the presence of God. Oh, if that isn't enough to go through those battles with the Lord, I don't know what is, guys. What, what are some other parallels, okay? Some other parallels is this. We started off in the midnight hour. It says at night when he was alone. I heard this quote. I think it was Christine Kane that says this. She asks, why, is, why does God come in the dark of the hours? And here's what she said. She said that God is really like a midnight hour God. What does that mean? And listen closely because this is so sweet. Again, this is totally her. I completely stole it from her. Uh, but she said this, that God is a midnight God, because to us, midnight is the darkest hour, when in reality, midnight's the first hour of the next day. It's the first hour of the next day. You see, God meets us, even if it looks like fighting with Him, He's already on to your next day. He's that good. He's that good that He says, although we may wrestle because I want to love you, it's going to start on a new day. 
That's so good. That is so good. So, so I, won't, I won't read any more of the passage. I do encourage you guys to, to continue reading um, the rest of, really, chapter 32 and chapter 33. Because what happens? This is so beautiful. And for those of you who are leaders in your home, leaders in the marketplace, leaders in ministry, this is a massive parallel, especially for you. Before the wrestle with the Lord, right? Jacob sent everybody before him, and he was left alone. After wrestling with the Lord and realizing who it is, he, the next morning, right? Because it says that they wrestled until daybreak, until the sun went up. And what happens when the sun comes up? Jacob ran ahead, met up with everybody, and he assumed his place of leadership. He assumed his place of protecting everybody behind him. Are you catching this or do I need to repeat this? I will totally repeat this. I'll even tell you in Spanish if you need to. Just text me later. Everything was changed. Everything was changed. He went from division and letting anybody leave to uniting himself with his camp and leading, all while acknowledging that God is his personal father. Knowing God allowed him to unite himself to his camp and to lead it and to lead it well. If you keep on reading, he not only leads his camp, but he goes directly to Esau, who he later sees out in the distance, runs to him. In other words, running to his greatest fear. He gives him a big old hug, kisses him on the cheek, and says, Brother, you see, guys, from a place of battling with the Lord, we need to have security that he is our father. And in fact, he's not only our father, he's good. He is a good father who knows us. Second point is during those fights, we need to have maturity. We need to unite with God. And we need to know, and here's my takeaway. For those of you that are taking notes, here's my takeaway as we wrap up here. The takeaway is knowing God is knowing he is good, even if his goodness does not feel safe. Let me read that one more time. Knowing God is knowing he is good, even if his goodness does not feel safe. What that looks like practically is knowing and being mature in this statement. God's goodness doesn't depend on your scenario. It doesn't. God's goodness does not rely on on if you're having a good day. It doesn't. I want to encourage you to know that God is good. And if you are battling with the Lord right now and you're confused and you're saying, Lord, I'm in the midnight hour. Things are really rough. I'm I'm constantly, you know, stressed out about family or about work or even school. Things politically are are really heated. Um, um, My job is whatever it is. Insert whatever your situation is in that moment. Are you aware that God is good? Or do you measure his goodness by your situation and your circumstances? In that midnight hour, continue wrestling with the Lord, but change that cycle like Jacob did. Know that he is God and know that his fight with you is a fight for you. He is good even when it does not feel safe. Amen. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I want to hear testimonies of the way that there's breakthrough. There's breakthrough in those fights. As it says, they wrestled until daybreak. It's coming, guys. It's coming. Hang on there. Here are my discussion questions. I want you guys to take this even further. 
My first question is this. What may be causing your daily immaturity or insecurity? And can anyone in your harbor at home relate? Very practical question. What's causing any type of immaturity or insecurity? And can anybody relate to you? That's the first one. That should go, you know, pretty quick, pretty, you know, open. And the second one is this. What unexpected wrestling matches with God are you currently in? And what does breakthrough look like when the sun comes up? One more time, what unexpected wrestling matches with God are you currently in? What does breakthrough look like when the sun comes up? Let me pray for us. Uh, Again, I want to say thank you for for listening to the word. Thank you for allowing me to share it with you. Um, And again, if I were in your house, I would be, you know, going to your fridge right now and seeing what we're all having for lunch, or at least just me, but (laughs) kidding. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, you are called the helper as I prayed earlier. Help us, Lord. Help us to, to receive this word and for us to grow in our security in who you are, our maturity in our faith, and put us on the path of righteousness, of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus. That all starts off with knowing who God is and knowing that his goodness may not look safe, but thank you, Lord, that you are always good. Thank you that you've given me the strength to make it through the things that you have given me. Holy Spirit, continue to help and guide us. We pray for the rest of Harbor at Home, for great discussions, and we thank you for what you're doing through worship, through tithing and giving, through messages, through media, whatever it is, Lord, we just thank you. We give it back to you now. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.